Welcome back to the Trojan Talk Podcast. I'm Ryan Young, your host as always. And as I teased in the last podcast, we were going to cram two back-to-back pretty quickly because I had already recorded this one before the last one posted. And I wanted to give enough space for people to really dive in and listen to the podcast with Isaiah Polamau and Rivals Analyst Adam Gorney, which I think was a really, really insightful podcast all the way through on a number of different topics. I'd encourage you, if you didn't hear that one, to go back and catch it. I thought Isaiah was one of the better player interviews we've had or that you could have on a podcast. He's really engaging and I thought was pretty candid and insightful. And then Adam Gorney really dropped some knowledge about the name image likeness stuff that's coming to college football and everything he learned by doing his uh, in-depth intensive series on NIL. And then we talked about the fallout from California high school football being pushed to January. And I thought he had some interesting theories based on what he's heard about that. So highly recommend catching that podcast if you missed it. But I didn't want to wait too long before getting this one up because I'm very excited about this one. As we started really being able to get coaches and players to sit down for these long interviews for podcasts during this pandemic, I was kind of strategically waiting for the right time to get USC offensive coordinator Graham Harrell on. And what I did not want to do is get him on and just ask him the same questions that we would ask him after practice or the same stuff we asked him the week before spring practice, the one spring practice. But we we covered all the main stuff with him there, and not much has changed since. So as I, you'll hear me say to him at the start of the podcast, this might be the only interview he's done in the last year where he wasn't asked about Keaton Slovis at all. Because that wasn't the point. I wanted to go in a totally different direction. And it really, it's been a theme of a lot of the podcasts we've done with the USC coaching staff, kind of getting into their background and their career and learning more about them. There's only so much X's and O's and depth chart you can talk when Nothing's really changed in months, and we're just kind of in this holding pattern. I kind of went back to the start with Graham on his coaching career and how it very easily could have gone a different direction. He was he was pretty set and comfortable jumping into the high school ranks. And Mike Leach, obviously his coach at Texas Tech and his men, one of his mentors, caught wind of that and said, no, 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 you're not coaching high school football. You're coming with me. And so Graham kind of tells that story, and we just kind of follow his career from that point. And then uh, we branch off into some some uh, fun tangents about his passion for professional wrestling and his time with the Green Bay Packers. And I just it, it was really fun. And as you'll hear me tease at the end, uh, I'm hoping that we can do a part two with Graham to get into some more of his interest and uh, his personality. But I really enjoyed the conversation. I appreciated his time. And I thought it was a good and different glimpse at USC's offensive coordinator than you may get from uh, most of his other interviews to this point. So I really don't have a huge intro or spiel to drop at the top here. I covered a lot of ground in the last one. I want to kind of just get into this. And this will be the only interview on today's podcast but I think it's enough to make it stand on its own. And so it'll just be a shorter podcast than the last few. But hopefully that means more of you have time to fit it in and give it a listen and, uh, and hear the Graham Harrell conversation. I'm not even going to call it an interview. I'm just going to call it a conversation. That's more what it was. I am reminded, though, I should, I should, I should tease our new promo 
because we want to get more and more people a part of our Trojansports.com community. And I know we have some people that listen to these podcasts who are not on our message board and are not part of the site, and we'd love to bridge that gap and bring you over. And now is another opportunity where we have a free trial going. And we're doing another great free trial through October 1st. Um, So if you jump in now, you get free premium access for a few months, and you can really get a flair for what we're doing. And we also have some interesting news coming for the site in about a week. I'm just going to leave that as is. Check back Monday at trojansports.com, and you'll see that uh, there's some news regarding the website that you're going to want to see. I'll just leave it at that. But go ahead, jump in with the free trial, putting the link all over the website. But if you just sign up, you can use promo code USC free 2020. It's all one word USC free 2020 and unlock that free trial. With that, I'm now certain that we're ready to go, and we'll jump right into the interview with USC Offensive Coordinator Graham Harrell. All right, big, big, big get for the podcast this week. We are joined by USC Offensive Coordinator Graham Harrell. Graham, thanks for joining us. How are you doing? Doing great. Glad to be here. We appreciate it. This might be the only interview or one of the only interviews you've done in the last year where we do not ask you about Keaton Slovis. We've been fortunate to have a bunch of the coaches on in the last couple months, and I've enjoyed getting into their careers and their backgrounds and stuff that we fans don't know, and that's what I want to do with you too. And I want to kind of start at the beginning. Great story in Sports Illustrated last year about how you got into coaching. As you told them, you almost were going to be a high school coach, and that was kind of the path that you were almost suddenly into before Mike Leach pulled you to the college ranks. How did that kind of unfold from your perspective, and what was your your vision as you were getting into coaching? Well, honestly, I just always thought I'd be a high school coach just because that's really all I ever knew, especially growing up. And and my grandfather was a high school football coach. My dad was and still is a high school football coach. Both our brothers coach high school ball. So, um, like I said, it's kind of all I knew and and, um, what I thought I'd always be. I wanted to play football as long as I could and then get into – get into high school coaching so that was always kind of the path I saw for myself and then um you know after my last year at Green Bay I was still training to play but also looking into getting into coaching and I got I actually got offered an offensive coordinator job down in Midland that's way out in West Texas and I was going to take it and uh, Coach Leach found out that that I was going to get into coaching so he called me and uh you know said that that uh he asked if I would really really going to get into coaching and I said yeah I think so and he said I don't think you should because I think you should still play but um if you are looking into getting into coaching then come coach for me and uh that's kind of how it all unfolded and and it's worked out pretty well since but um that, that was kind of the, the beginning but again from from an early age coaching was what I wanted to do and what I always planned or thought I would do have you taken a moment at any point to reflect on just how fast your career track has been, I guess, since that moment where you joined Mike at the Washington State? I've obviously been very fortunate, especially in the coaching world. But, you know, every now and then when, when, when I talk about it, you kind of look back and think, man, that's uh, really happened fast. So, but, but it's not something I think about that often. Uh, but, you know, Coach Leach, he uh, – you know, obviously playing for him was, was huge for me and then getting the opportunity 
to, to go back and coach with him. You know, he's always believed in me and, and been a guy that's been there for me and supported me since really since I was a player, you know. And so, obviously, I will learn to him. And then uh, Coach Luttrell as well, who, who got the head job in North Texas and was actually our running back coach at North Texas. I mean, at, at Texas Tech whenever I was a player there. Um, and so, getting him believing me enough to give me the opportunity to, to go be an offensive coordinator and call it as early as he did was obviously huge and, and uh, put me on a you know put me on a trajectory to uh, to move up quickly. So you know I owe a lot of people uh, a lot of credit and, and, and a lot of thanks for, for giving me the opportunity they gave me. And, and uh, but it's it's been a fun few years and hopefully we'll just continue that. Definitely. Well, I'd be doing a disservice to everyone listening if I didn't try and get one Mike Leach story out of you. So I'm going to frame it this way. What was the most memorable in-game exchange you ever had with Coach Leach during your time at Tech? <laughs> well, a lot of Coach Leach's stories are x-rated. So you have to decipher. I think you're going to have to decipher through some of those. But, you know, probably the most famous or not the most famous, the, the most famous moment that we had together uh, was that Texas game when we beat Texas when they were number one in the country and we were both undefeated. Uh, but, but, you know, I think we were 9-0 and and they were 9-0 and going into the game. And so, uh, you know, that's probably the most famous game. And, and, you know, I think sometimes people lose sight of the fact that we really had dominated that game and, and had let it kind of slip away late when they took the lead. But, uh, you know, Coach Lacey never – I mean, he, you've seen. I'm, I'm sure everyone's seen videos. He's he's pretty even keel and, and never gets, you know, never. He's never really excited about much, and uh, especially in a game. Now, out of a game, he he gets mad at you pretty easily. But in a game, he's usually pretty calm and doesn't doesn't freak out and get too mad at you about much. So, you know, when we went down, you know, Texas scored with about a minute and a half left, and we get the ball back, and uh, I can remember going out onto the field for that last drive and and uh asking coach hey what you know what do you want to call first play and he's telling you and he's like no let's just go down there and score and if we score we win and that was like his big uh his big motivational speech was okay if we if we score we'll win it's like well yeah i can see that we're only down by one so obviously if we score we'll probably win but you got anything else for me you know that's kind of what you wanted to say but uh that's just who he is and and that's why i think he's successful too though because because no game's bigger than the next and no moment's bigger than the next it's just hey just go do your job and and if you do that you're probably going to be successful and that's kind of you know his his philosophy in coaching and in that moment it, it, it continued to be his philosophy even though you know like i said most of the time if you're making a movie you'd want some big hurrah you know big great speech to come out of that moment but you know his was more like hey if we screw with man it's like yeah i can i can do the math on that coach <laughs> that's great i you know that that game i think most college football fans at that time recall that game i recall watching that game are you surprised at how much that touchdown pass to crabtree has endured as kind of a signature moment in college football from that era? Uh, you know, I think that that was a, obviously a huge moment and maybe I mean, something the biggest moment in, in uh, Texas Tech's football history, you know, and so that that helps the cause. And then, you know, also I think that that was probably maybe the height of the Big 12, to be honest with you, too. You know, we had three teams that all went 11-1, and one, and, and all the losses we had were to each other, and, and uh, we had all three beat each other, and that was a uh, – maybe as good as the Big 12's ever, probably as good as the Big 12's ever been. Um, 
in a year. So, you know, I think that helps the, the magnitude of the moment, too. And also being later in the season, both teams being – Nine and zero, or eight and zero, or whatever we were, and, and being number one and number—I don't know—we were six or seven in the country at the time. Um, made for a big moment, and to be honest with you, you know, we were only down one. I think a lot of people forget that. And I was kind of thinking, you know, if Crabtree catches us, he'll step out of bounds, we'll kick a field goal, win. And, and if he would have, uh, it still would have been a great moment and, and a huge game in Texas Tech history. But I don't think that the game, or obviously the play, would. Uh, would be as memorable or, or be as kind of iconic of a moment in college football as it is. And, but, you know, not only did we complete the pass and, and put ourselves in a position to win, but Crabtree kind of slipping through two tackles and tight roping a sideline and getting in the end zone. I think that's really, you know, just how incredible of a play it truly was is, is what has, you know, and the magnitude of the moments is what made it last, has, is what has made it last. So um, there's probably a lot of factors in it and, and, you know, at the at the time, I don't think that we probably ever would have thought that it would uh, kind of stand the test of time that it's that it's stand that it's stood so far. But um, again, it's a big moment and and uh, probably the height of of that era of Texas Tech football. To be honest with you, yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, yeah, a ton of big plays. They're obviously left with just gaudy passing stats, NCAA record for passing touchdowns. What was your expectation entering the NFL? Uh, I know you went undrafted and uh but, but going in there coming off what you did at tech what were you expecting that nfl experience to be you know i, th- I was more than anything just one of opportunity and i think that's a, a big part of the nfl is just getting an opportunity getting a real opportunity and then trying to make the most of it and so you know I th- there was it was kind of a long road to get there from from texas tech i mean after my career at tech it it, it wasn't just the smoothest or, or easiest path but it ended up really working out in the end, you know, and, and uh, I had a ton of fun there, and it was a great experience. I learned a lot, and, and I think that, um, you know, in, in high school, my dad was my coach, but what we did offensively particularly was pretty, I mean, it wasn't exactly what Mike Leach is doing. It's not like an air raid base, but, you know, spread, uh, be simple, uh, and execute at a high level. And I think that's really, at the end of the day, the philosophy of Mike Leach as well. And and so going to the NFL and get to see it done a different way, uh, obviously as a player and something was awesome. And I had some great experiences there, but uh, really I think that it helped me as a coach more than anything because I got to see it done differently than I've ever seen it done. And, and really more than anything, it strengthened my belief in the way that I always thought if I were a coach, I would do things, which is more the like how my dad did it and, and the Mike Leach just hey have an identity and get really really good at it and. Um, and so, like I said, seeing it done the way that, that we did it in Green Bay just strengthened my belief in that, and, and I think it's made me a better coach. Yeah, that was one of your great comments last year when we were learning about your offense, and you talked about how good the playbook was in Green Bay and that you had uh, suggested to Mike McCarthy you could simplify things for him a little bit. <laughs> they didn't like that. <laughs> uh, you know, obviously, I think that sometimes – as coaches, we get caught up in, and I don't know, especially at, at some coaches, I think it's almost like a badge of honor that they call a play that's a paragraph long. And it's like, well, that's great that, that you can do that, but now you've slowed down everything and you've got your players real complicated and probably confused because they're trying to decipher this this paragraph and figure out what's what's relevant to them. And, uh, and so, you know, because of that, yeah, I used to always you know, mess with the quarterback coach or Mike or whoever and, if you pay me enough money, I can make this playbook look a lot smaller. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> they didn't like that, though. You know, like I said, that's kind of 
it was almost a badge of honor to them that they had that much offense and, and that the play calls could be that long. And again, obviously, we won a Super Bowl there, and, and, and I thought Coach McCarthy was a really good coach. I liked Coach McCarthy and everything, and so uh, it was just kind of a joke with them and, and something I like to mess with them about. Uh, but deep down, it is truly what I believe is, is it doesn't have to be that complicated, you know. And, and uh, the simpler and the easier you can make it on those players, the faster they can play with less hesitation, the more successful they're going to be. Uh, and that's really what, you know, it is what I believe. And like I said, I, I know I was joking and messing around with those guys at times when I say that, but. It is. I do think that that there's a lot of validity to it, and and uh, it 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 helps it helps your players be better football players. Where is that Super Bowl ring right now? It's actually in my office, right above me. I keep it locked up, but uh, right now it's 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 in the office, and um, so it, just in case I ever need it. You know, the place of the Super Bowl rings come the most in handy as a recruiting. It's, it's too big to wear. It's too gaudy to wear. I mean, I guess you could wear, but it would it would be uh, <laughs> it'd be rather flashy, and people would be like, "Oh my goodness, what's he doing?" Almost, I think at times. Uh, but but in recruiting, it's it's a it's an awesome uh, more than anything, just conversation piece, you know. And, and there's not you know people haven't seen a ton of Super Bowl rings, so when they get the opportunity to see it, and and you know if they want, I'll let people wear it, and, and it, it, especially if recruits have like younger brothers or something, or, or younger siblings or parents, sometimes want to put it on. And so uh, it's a good conversation piece, and it's a good, it's kind of a cool thing to show off. And, and um, like I said, it's I'm, I'm extremely blessed to have it, and, and uh, I, you know, it's something I love and treasure. But it's not that's about what it is. It's a show off piece about it at this point. Yeah. Well, I'm sure you've been asked this plenty of times. I've never seen your response or comment though. What relationship did you have with with Aaron Rodgers, if any? I, I know we all kind of know his persona, and he can be a little frosty at times. Did, did you guys build any kind of chemistry or rapport together? Uh, he's he's great. He was great to me, you know. And, and um, when I first got there, it was me, Matt Flynn, and, and Aaron were the were the three guys in that room, and that was a really really fun room because we all got along, we all had fun. Aaron was like I said, he was he was great to us. Um, did everything he could to help. What I mean, he was again. He was he was as good as he could be, and and you know I think that whatever his uh, you know whatever everyone thinks about him, and thinks you know however he acts and stuff uh, to us or to, to me and Flynn, he was he was incredible. And like I said, he wanted to do everything good to help. He was a good friend to us, and couldn't have been any better. And so you know that's what. That's what he's like to me every now and then. Like I said, we still stay in contact every now and then. And uh, Obviously, being out here in California, that's where he is in the offseason now. So uh, now we, we really get to stay in contact even more. So, But, no, we had a good, a great relationship. And he's as talented of a player as I've ever seen. And he can throw the ball. He was extremely intelligent. He's more athletic than I think he gets credit for. Uh, he can throw off different platforms. But, but more than anything, he was extremely anal about the small things, about the details of the game. And I think that that's what – not only was he that way, but, you know, I think our coaching staff was that way too, especially uh, our quarterback coaches, Tom Clemens and Ben McAdoo. Would just, and that's what I think I took, you know, because Mike Leach is so, yeah, be simple and, and, and uh, don't overcomplicate things. But, but Coach Leach is also sometimes lose tracks of the, you know, well, Coach, what do you want my footwork to be on this play? I don't know, throw it to him. Well, that doesn't tell me what to do with my feet. You know, that's kind of the conversation with Leach. Yeah, yeah, throw it to him when he's open. Is that okay? Yeah, that, that still doesn't tell me what to do with my feet. What's my, what are you going to do with my drop? I don't know. Just, just stand back there, and when he comes open, you throw it to him. And it's like, well, that's <laughs> all right. Sounds good. Here we go. You know, 
and, and then you get to Green Bay, and it was so much more. Uh, it, Aaron was really anal about any time we had routes and stuff. He would, you know, during individual time more than anything, what he wanted to do was make sure the routes signed up with his drop and his feet. And uh, he, he's kind of a master of being able to change the rhythm of his feet to make sure it works with the route. Or if it doesn't work with the route, we either need to change the depth or change the steps of a route or change his feet or just change his drops and stuff like that. And so to see his detail uh, in that, I think that that, uh, what I've tried to do as a coach is, is kind of take Coach Leach's philosophy of, of being simple and doing what we do. And, 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 you know, again, my dad had that same similar philosophy, I think, as a high school coach. So the philosophy that was kind of ingrained with me my whole life until I got to Green Bay and take the take that you know offense philosophy uh, and, and kind of try to combine it with what with with being great at the small things that, that we learned at Green Bay and, and watching Aaron do that and seeing how important it was to him that, that the routes and his feet timed up uh, I've tried to take that with me especially for quarterbacks because I think if quarterbacks feel comfortable with anything then then you're going to be more successful because football has become such a quarterback driven game and, and and so hey if that quarterback trusts that hey that receiver is going to be right here when my feet are like this and if I throw it on time it's going to work it just it just makes him that much more confident out there and so uh, that that's something that I took from Aaron that, and, and again he's, he's really talented does a lot of great things but the attention to detail that he has um, I think also separates him from other people and, and I've tried to take that with me in my coaching career and so like I said my time at Green Bay it was awesome I had a ton of fun and at the time I wasn't thinking you know, this is going to make me I'm such a better coach whenever I decide to coach. Uh, but now looking back at it, you know, again, we had fun and we were idiots and, and did stupid things at times But in, in, in the name of fun. But, but again, seeing it done a different way, strengthened my philosophy and what we do here. Uh, seeing the details, though, seeing how, 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 how much the small things really do matter, especially if nothing else for the quarterback psyche, I took that with me. And so I think my time there really did improve me and, and has helped me in my coaching career. Great stuff. You also dabble a little bit in the CFL. I got to ask you: Have you ever considered the alternate universe, where you're still late in your career with the uh, Saskatchewan Rough Riders and carving out a nice life in, Re- in Regina, Saskatchewan? <laughs> I love my time up there, honestly, and, and uh, it's it's a different game, but it, I, I think it helped me, you know. And, and with the bigger field and, and, and stuff like that, uh, I wasn't there for that long, but uh, yeah, I think coming out of college especially playing for Coach Leach, just because he had had five quarterbacks come before me that didn't have a ton of success in the league. Uh, you kind of get tied with the bad, I don't know, what the, you know, with the bad stigma, and you right. get this, oh, he's just a, another product of Coach Leach's offense, whatever, whatever. Uh, and I don't think that's true. You know, I think you have to evaluate players, obviously, on an individual basis, and, and I think that's proven to not be true. You know, I mean, time after, when Dana Hogerson went to West Virginia, he has a quarterback, Gino get drafted, I think, in the first round. Lincoln's had two or three guys, and they're all coming from Leach's systems, you know. Um, get drafted number one overall. Pat Mahomes obviously played uh, in, in a very uh, in a very uh, offensive or, you know, air raid looking system. Uh, and he's obviously been very successful at the next level. So I think that, that uh, it's unfair sometimes just to, to put people as, oh, well, he's just a product of the system or whatever. No, everyone's different and everyone has different talents. But uh, coming, up, coming 
when I did out of Coach Leach's system, you know, I think one of the knocks was, well, they don't make they don't make big time throws. They don't do this. They don't do that. And when you go to Canada, it forces you to do that. You know, whether you want to or not, you're playing on a, a wider field, a longer field, and so just throwing a hitch to the field is a, is a pretty big throw. You know, and so it forces you to 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 make those throws and develop, and I think answer some questions about or some knocks that you had coming out of college. And so, you know, from that standpoint, it was good. I, I think that I love the CFL game. I thought it was a ton of fun. I thought it fit my game well. I thought I could have been successful there. And like you said, I've never really considered, hey, what if I just would have stayed there and just kept playing and, and been a really successful CFL quarterback? I know I would have had a ton of fun. Um, <laughs> but my ultimate goal was to get back down here when I had the chance. Obviously, I jumped on it. And... Uh, and the coaching professions worked out pretty well for me so far. So uh, I can't say that, that uh, the alternate the alternate universe would have been the better one. Yeah, it's, it, it's, it's paid off well for you. So to bring it back full circle to your coaching career, uh, we all know that you received a lot of interest last offseason. As you went through that process and, and, and took things away from it, do you have a clear sense for – what that job is that would be the one that takes you out of here and not specifically team or school but what the factors and the circumstances and the attributes of that job would be that would be too much for you to to say no yeah, yeah i don't know what it would be um i i tell everyone i think that usc may be the best job in the country and, and so uh, because of that it would obviously take a pretty good job to get me out of here because I, I really do think that it's an incredible job just based on one on location I mean, there's a lot of things that factor into it, the tradition of the school, the talent you can attract, uh, where you are, especially in a court, you know, compared to other kind of blue bloods of, of the college football world and, and stuff like that. So I think this is a really great job, and, and uh, my family's enjoyed living here. You know, I tell everyone back home, there's there's a reason there's a lot of people here. You know, you get perfect weather all the time, and, and uh, you're, you're overlooking the beach and the mountains at the same time, which... That's hard to that's hard to do it anywhere else in the world. So uh, <laughs> there's a reason there's a lot of people, and, and like I said, I think this job's a, a really good job, and, and we um, we have a chance to be really good for a long time here. I think offensively with with what we do and, and what you can do at SC, uh, I also think that there's a naturally a, um, SC's or you know I think Southern California's kind of cre- been. I mean, if we're not the true area like Mike Leach is, obviously we believe in running the football more and stuff like that. But I do enjoy throwing the football, and, and I think that Southern California, with all the seven-on-seven leagues, and, and that's kind of what they do down here. And so I think our offense with the, with the, in Southern California is kind of a natural fit. So uh, obviously, there's a lot of a lot of factors that Kevin here. Um, Coach Halton's an incredible guy to work for, and that, that plays a big role into it as well. So uh, it, it would take a really special job to leave here. Uh, obviously, my goal at some point is to be a head football coach, and, and so if the right head job came along, uh, that, that might be too good of an opportunity to, to, to pass up. But, um, again, it's just uh, it's a place that, we, that, that, I've, that I've enjoyed in my year here. And I think, you know, I tell everyone this, if – you know, I think you get into coaching to, to influence kids and, and, and all sorts of stuff. But, you know, you also want to win and, and, and win at the highest level. And, and my one of my goals in, in coaching is to win a national championship. And there aren't a whole lot of places that, that you can realistically say every year, uh, if we take care of business, we have an opportunity or, or we'll be in the, in the national championship conversation. And so um, that plays a big role into it, too. Because 
you know, in high school, I, I won a couple state championships, which is awesome, and I won a Super Bowl, so I guess the only one I missed is the national championship. And so, yeah. uh, obviously, we'd love to have maybe the trifecta there uh, when it takes a state championship, a national championship in some way, and, and then a Super Bowl in some way as well. And so, uh, that that'd be a pretty cool opportunity, and, and SE, SE gives you that 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 uh, opportunity every year, I think. And so, again, those those are kind of some of the factors that, that get me here. I love it here. Uh, I have a great staff. That, uh, you know, a great group of guys that I work with, uh, and and the kids we have here are, 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 you know, our players, our young men are unbelievable people, and so um, again, all that plays into it, plays into me staying. And there were some great opportunities and, and um, hard decisions to be made, but uh, when you work for a good guy and your family's happy and you and you're around good people, it, it's hard to leave, and so that's what um, ultimately kept me, I think. But again. Uh, you know, there, there may come a time when there's too good of an opportunity, but for now, uh, it has to be a really good opportunity because uh, we're happy, and I think we have a chance to be really successful for a long time here. Definitely. Well, last question. I'd be remiss if I did not ask you a wrestling question. And I I have lost touch with wrestling over the years, but when I was young, I was really into it. I recall being in the Spectrum in Philadelphia, front row, watching Razor Ramon. Uh, this could probably be a topic for a full podcast uh, if we can get you back on in the future, but I'll, I'll just truncate it down to what was what was your entry moment into becoming the wrestling fan you are? Who, who was the first guy that that roped you in? And is there anyone on the roster or on staff that you can really connect with with that interest? You know, I think that uh, <laughs> if you want to do a podcast on wrestling, I'll come on anytime. That's <laughs> we'll we'll do that. We'll do that for a long time. But no. Uh, you know, being in the middle of three boys, all you do is fight with each other. You know what I mean? And so, uh, wrestling was kind of a natural interest of, for us. And, and, you know, I can remember as, as little bitty, you know, my mom and dad say one of my first words, and one of the first things I could say was Roddy Roddy Piper, Roddy Roddy Piper, you know? And so, yes. <laughs> that's just, uh, yeah, I guess they had it on TV one day, and I loved it. And, and so, that was, uh, you know, one of the first things that I said. I can remember being, I don't know, probably four or five, and, and me and my little brother watching uh, Saturday Night Wrestling and, and Sting and, and those are some of the first fights I remember was you know when Sting and Vader used to have their, their big uh, rivalry going on and we never got to watch pay-per-views because you know we, it's not like we had a ton of money growing up so we'd watch it and beg mom and dad to watch pay-per-views we're like I'm not spending money on that stupid stuff but uh, <laughs> so we didn't get to watch it but you know we would yeah, Sting was going to have a, uh, a strap match where he's going to be strapped to Vader, and they were going to have a fight where they're strapped together. And, and you're thinking Vader's going to kill this poor guy, you know? And, and so that's when I'm like five or six. So uh, those are some of our earliest memories of it. And, and we had those pillows. They used to have these pillows that were in the shape of wrestlers. I had, you know, like, I, I had two of them. I had Jake the Snake and Bret Hart. Oh yeah, we we had we had uh, three. We had Warrior Ultimate Warrior Hulk Hogan. I forget who the third was because there were three boys, so we each got to pick one. Uh, and we'd wrestle with them, and then we'd sleep with them. And those things didn't leave our side. We came around, you know, we go out to the trampoline, and we'd have our match against the little wrestling pillows. Then you come in, and, and when it's time for bed, the wrestling pillows went to bed with you, you know. And so um, we uh, that's just like I said, being in the middle of three boys, you naturally fight, you naturally. Everything you do is a competition, and it usually turns into fighting or wrestling. And so uh, that was a natural interest. And then when we could watch it on TV, we loved it. And then as I got older, obviously, um, you know, that uh, the, the, the key was, you know, as a young kid, I was interested in it, and I watched it, and it was entertaining to us. And then about the junior high era, my junior high age is when wrestling really peaked, when the WCW kind of, you know, there were two brands that were really hot at that time. 
and it was kind of the, the height of wrestling and that's kind of an age where um where you would be into wrestling was you know kind of that junior high age and we had the nwo and dx and it almost seemed real for a few years you know so uh <laughs> those were kind of in the formative years was also the peak of wrestling and so that's what hooked me forever you know like i said as a little kid i watched it and and continued to watch it and then it kind of peaked whenever your interest in wrestling would peak uh so it just worked out too well and uh so that that that's how it all happened and and you know, here here on staff, I don't think there's many guys on this staff. You know, when I was at North Texas, I had a, a little GA, Stephen Sheffield, who was huge into wrestling. So we'd always talk about wrestling, and and, uh, and he had wrestling memorabilia that he wanted to decorate my office with because he didn't really have an office. So he would put some of his memorabilia in my office. I obviously had my belt and stuff, but you know, I've, I've tried to I've tried to get some guys interested in it here. We do have a we have a guy that was a GA here named uh, Mike Hutchins who played here. And and he's he, he has a little bit of wrestling background, so every now and then he'll walk in and, and, and throw out some wrestling term or throw out uh, a wrestling comparison. He'll compare one of our players to, you know, he would be like the the Razor Ramon of wrestling, or you know, he'd be the Triple H of right. And you're like, here, you know, I like I like that. So uh, they'll 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 entertain me sometimes. The ones that that actually have any sort of background in wrestling, but other than that, uh, it's kind of a one sided deal. So I've got to show every now and then, pull up videos and. And show them why it's uh, as great of a product as it is. Uh, you know, right now it's not as great of a product, and it's uh, well, actually with with AEW and stuff. I think that, that they're trying to push the envelope and, and get uh, make it a better. You know, force the WWE to uh, continue to improve their product as well. So hopefully, we're getting back to a to a good era of wrestling when when there's more than one company and they push each other to be better and be more creative. And uh, that's that's kind of what you know. Competition makes everyone better, and that's what. You know, I think you can show football guys that, hey, competition, you know, a quarterback competition makes both guys better. Uh, having two two companies in wrestling competing against each other makes both guys better. And so uh, maybe we're getting to a great point, you know, kind of getting back to a, a high point of wrestling. Awesome. Well, we'll have to do a full wrestling podcast one time. I love it. All right. Hey, Graham, thanks so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Not a problem. I enjoyed it. All right, that's the podcast, short and sweet. Like I said, I just wanted to let that Graham Harrell interview stand on its own and get it out there without too much delay. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you enjoyed hearing that side of Graham and some offbeat stuff that we don't normally talk to him about. And hopefully we can get him back on and and do some more fun stuff in the future. But uh, we appreciate his time. appreciate everyone who's listening to these podcasts and everyone who supports trojansports.com and once again if you are listening to the podcast but you are not a subscriber at the site we can fix that very easily because we have a free trial right now free trial through october 1st that's full premium access for free for a couple months a little more than a couple months that's a great deal no commitment jump out whenever you want we just want you to see what we're doing and we think you're going to like it the promo code is USC Free 2020. USC Free 2020. I hope everyone's doing well. Hope everyone's families are well. You're getting through this prolonged, prolonged pandemic that just never seems to end, but it's what we're dealing with. And hopefully, these podcasts fill some of the time in your day. And we thank you for listening and for supporting our platform, our site, and everything else. Until next time.